Hello, I'm Juliet Mann and this is the Agenda podcast, CGTN Europe's one-stop shop for smart, in-depth discussion of the issues that really matter in the world today. And this week, we're in Belfast, where representatives from across the UK and from China have come together at Queen's University to discuss the future of clean energy and especially the role hydrogen has to play. For decades, hydrogen has long been hailed as a potentially revolutionary alternative to fossil fuels and is Earth's most abundant element. Green hydrogen is produced by splitting water using electricity generated from low-carbon sources, resulting in no greenhouse gas emissions. Green hydrogen can be used in cars and lorries. Hydrogen-powered aircraft are already being designed by Airbus, with a planned release of the first commercial plane by 2035. Green hydrogen can also be used domestically for cooking and heating. Hydrogen heating is expected to power most homes in the UK by 2050. There are other types of hydrogen which can be used to generate power, but none are as fully carbon neutral. As of 2020, the global hydrogen market was valued at $150 billion and is expected to reach $600 billion by 2050. China is the leader of the global hydrogen market, with an output of 33 million tonnes, accounting for around a third of global production. 5% of Chinese energy is expected to be supplied by hydrogen by 2030. Japan intends to transform the nation into a hydrogen society, with plans to supply 10% of the power for electricity generation by 2050. The EU has also unveiled its hydrogen strategy for a climate-neutral Europe, hoping hydrogen will comprise 15% of the EU energy mix by 2050. And in the United States, Joe Biden's $1 trillion infrastructure package includes $8 billion to develop hydrogen as part of his administration's climate agenda. At the Forum on New Energy Innovation here at Queen's, I spoke to Professor Cheng Bing, strategic scientist at the Shanghu Laboratory in Foshan. Obviously, hydrogen uh, will be the uh, new energy system in the future. Now, around the world now has recognized that hydrogen is probably most uh, uh, suitable kind of energy systems, uh, which is renewable and also sustainable. So from that point of view, it will have to be uh, the major energy system. Uh, so it is also from another respect uh, that the hydrogen will become a major energy industry of the future. And uh, as for now, uh, the most important focus is to develop the, uh, the uh, technologies for producing the green hydrogen as well as the use of green hydrogen. Uh, therefore, that does take time. So it is not something that you can immediately create a huge amount of industries, employ a huge number of people at this stage. Uh, but with the progress of this technology, uh, surely that day will come. So it's important to take that long-term view. But I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what you think and what you're most excited about here, because this is not the beginning of partnership, is it? It's perhaps, though, the beginning of an exciting new phase to create opportunities in education, in research and exchange. Oh, indeed. Now, 
hydrogen uh, technology is a, is a, is a, a relatively new technology, and therefore there's still a lot of uh, uh, research and development activities are, uh, are needed. So from that point of view, a collaboration uh, among the scientists which share the ideas, share the practice, it is very important for the uh, progress of this technology. So the very uh, cooperation uh, agreement that we signed today, it is really to facilitate the interactions and the cooperations between uh, uh, Foshan Xianhu Laboratory in China and the, uh, uh, the uh, Queen's University of Belfast here. And we hope that this will be a good start point which will lead us for some substantial uh, research collaboration. So where is that research your laboratory? Where is it currently focused? And how will this memorandum of understanding help with that? Okay, so the, the focus of this MOU is for developing hydrogen and hydrogen-related technologies. Just give you an example. Uh, we at the Foshan Xianhu Laboratory, we produce uh, materials as well as the uh, uh, systems of uh, fuel cells. Whereas the uh, researchers in the, uh, uh, the university here, which can uh, assess and characterize the performance of this uh, uh, unit, and which can also uh, put that into the bus systems. So that is one of the areas that we identified that we may send our fuel cell machines to here, which can be characterized here and install the bus uh, in the Northern Ireland uh, to promote this kind of the applications in here. So where will they be installed in, in, in the bus network? Well, it's quite be possible they installed here because at this stage, at this stage, there's no uh, capacity in Northern Ireland to build these uh, uh, fuel cell systems by themselves. And so they need these systems from somewhere, uh, which we are quite happy to provide. So they've got the technology and the ideas. You're saying you've got the manufacturing capability and together that's going to push the agenda forward. I think that's probably a, a good description. And uh, we have the technology and the materials to build up the system and they want to use it and they want to get this system uh, and uh, test it and how that is going. Now, Northern Ireland is positioning itself as, as a leader in green hydrogen technology. What makes you think that it's the fuel of the future? Well, I think, uh, it, is, uh, I think it is very attractive to uh, places like Northern Ireland. Because for Northern Ireland, um, obviously the economy development of this area requires uh, the new technologies and the new industry. Because if you establish the traditional industry, how are you going to compete with the more established places around the world? And obviously to establish a new industry and the new technologies such as the renewable energy industry, I think that has a great potential to create the, uh, the jobs. All right? And uh, I think uh, that's probably the re or, uh, one reason that the, uh, the places here uh, are quite interested in this, uh, in this technology. So that's the business sense of it. What about it, its green credentials? Because what makes it cleaner is it's, it's by, powered by 
wind-generated electricity, and it's very blustery um, here in this climate. So tell us a little bit more about what green hydrogen is, how it works, and why it's good hydrogen. Okay, so uh, I, I tell you one experience. Now, uh, we went to uh, Causeway, uh, the giant Causeway, uh, yesterday. Whereas on the road, I can see a lot of uh, windmills and uh, uh, around the road. So there are many, and uh, far more than what I have seen in many other countries. Although solar panel wasn't uh, that obvious, but the windmills are, are, are quite a lot. I don't think so, there's much sunshine. Uh, well, that's <laughs> probably the reason I ask people are, are after. But I think that with that kind of electricity uh, generated by the windmill, where the electricity can be used to separate the water into hydrogen and oxygen. And the hydrogen can be actually used to generate either the electricity or even directly fuel, uh, uh, combustion, combust to produce the high temperature to create the uh, carbon-free uh, energy of using. So you can see that from a completely renewable, which is a wind, and to separate the water into a new energy. And the result of that consumption of that energy is water. So you have a full circle of the, uh, of the environment and it's totally environment friendly. And from that point of view, you have to recognize this is the future of technology. Uh, where does it sit, though, in the renewables market? I, mean, I want to know whether you, where you see the scope for growth and whether it's universal or if it's going to vary from place to place, depending on things like climate. Well, obviously, hydrogen is, the, uh, uh, is a uh, energy source, a renewable energy source. That is probably universal to just about everywhere because it is using renewable energy in this place, I can see that the wind is one of the major sources. But in some way in Africa, in the Middle East, the sun must be the, uh, the best of the renewable energy. And therefore, everyone can use this kind of renewable energy to generate electricity and to separate the water and come back to the water after consumption. I'm, I'm sure that this is uh, one of the most attractive uh, renewable energy concepts. So I think it's universally suitable. Well, here we're essentially looking at Chinese investment and UK tech know-how to make these projects happen. How can the hydrogen economy help China reach its net zero goals? Well, the, uh, the Chinese government has paid a lot of attention to the development of uh, hydrogen uh, technologies. Uh, it published a uh, middle-term, uh, short to mid-term uh, plan for the development of a hydrogen industry and hydrogen technology for the next 15 years. Within that guidelines, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the people will have a very uh, active uh, kind of investment into this uh, technology uh, because, as you know, that the China uh, uh, consumes a lot of uh, fossil fuel uh, in the moment, at the moment and also generate a large amount of carbon dioxide. So by using hydrogen as a green energy, that's going to help enormously uh, to the, uh, the people as well as the industry to reach 
the dual carbon uh, goals, which is the peaking, the, car, uh, the carbon peaking uh, in the uh, 2030 and the carbon neutrality in the 2060. So uh, I'm sure that uh, hydrogen is going to play a, a, one of the most important roles in reach this uh, target. Well, China loves an infrastructure I investment, but what's the potential game changer here for, for China and for the renewable energy market? Well, I, I think uh, uh, that China has played uh, a, a quite active uh, a role in the, uh, promoting and developing the renewable energy. Uh, at this moment, that, uh, at all different levels, uh, as well as industry and the investment uh, uh, companies, has put a lot of efforts in doing this. Of course, renewable energy is not only hydrogen. Uh, there are many other uh, renewable energies. Uh, uh, the uh, the solar uh, solar cells and the wind and the hydro and there are many others. So I think that renewable energy in the renewable energy world, uh, it is not only one solution. It has to be a multi uh, multiple solutions uh, to tackle uh, these uh, uh, very uh, complex uh, issues of the uh, fossil fuels and the related carbon emissions. So multiple uses, multiple possibilities. In terms of the, the role of hydrogen in, in years to come, can we really call it the fuel of the future? I think it's definitely uh, a fuel of the future. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and also there are uh, others. So I think that with the uh, uh, heavy development of, uh, and the heavy interest of uh, hydrogen and the hydrogen-related technologies, and that is also going to promote other uh, development of other uh, renewable energies. So uh, I think uh, from the, as a researcher myself, uh, I feel quite promising uh, of, to see that uh, the world is uh, heading to that direction, which is obviously to me, uh, that is the, probably the most important things that the scientists and the engineers is going to contribute to, to the mankind. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to uh, become one of them. So, uh, yeah, I feel quite lucky in that respect. Professor Cheng Yubing, absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Um, you too, thank you. Northern Ireland's Centre for Advanced Sustainable Energies is based here at Queen's. I spoke to its director, Professor David Rooney. The Centre for Advanced Sustainable Energy started about 10 years ago. It was set up on the basis of being able to translate research that was going on within the academic teams across into industry. So what we observed or observed at the time was that there was a bit of a gap in that understanding about how do you do that translation from the academic to the practical. And now? And now we've been able to achieve success within a number of those. We still do the same types of activities, but the types of projects that we're doing have advanced. They've become a lot more energy focused and areas of hydrogen, for example, and international partnerships have become a lot more prevalent in the types of work that we're now doing. So speaking of international partnerships, you've been working closely with China for, for many years now. now how has their approach to sustainable energy changed over that time? Well, my journey with China started just over about 20 years ago. And when I first went over to China, it was quite interesting that uh, my first transport experience when I was working with the university was by bicycle. Um, rolled on a few you years. You can't get greener was, than that. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> correct. So by then, you know, a couple of years later, it was all motor vehicles and now it's all EVs. So what I've really noticed within China is just this transition and the speed 
at which things will change around areas such as sustainability and sustainable transport. There's been a massive change in, in China. At the uh, forum here, some memorandums of understanding have been signed um, with the um, Shanghu Laboratory in Foshan, for one example. What, what are you hoping is going to come from that? Well, Foshan have received quite a significant investment from the Chinese government to basically take forward an, a range of different hydrogen technologies, be it fuel cells or ammonia or whatever. What we really would like to be able to do is to work with them and to translate that type of expertise and that knowledge and that equipment that they're now designing into the UK. How do we, for instance, take the expertise that we have at Queen's and build the systems and the components and the technologies around those individual pieces of equipment to actually translate it across and to benefit for regional industry? Are you looking at using the, the know-how that you've got here but the manufacturing capability in China, or are you looking to, to bring a manufacturing hub to, to the United Kingdom? There would be a blend of different things. What we tend to find is that whenever you want to design a new technology, large-scale technology, for instance, like a bus or a boat or even a factory, then it becomes it requires a lot of individual systems, individual components which then have to come together. So what we need to be able to do is to make sure that those individual components are correct and we want to be able to work with partners who can nuance those to what we want to be able to do. And then we want to be able to then combine them up in, in unique and clever ways in order to be able to make real advancements to, to the industries who, who adopt them. It, it sounds like quite productive, perhaps there are cost savings too, but I, I wonder how important collaborations really are in this drive towards truly sustainable energy. I think collaborations are extremely important if you want to be able to do it. You cannot do everything yourself. What you need to be able to do is to find the areas which you are really good at and then to partner up with other people who are really good at areas that also then will help you to actually get you where you want to be. That requires partnership. What do you think that Northern Ireland and particularly the rest of the UK can offer to China in terms of using hydrogen as an energy source? Well, the UK has committed uh, quite significantly to adopting hydrogen as a future energy carrier. It's putting in a lot of renewables. It, it understands that hydrogen is going to be a vector for energy in the future and is investing quite strongly in that. So that, that ambition is there to be able to adopt and drive hydrogen as a technology. What it needs to be able to then do is to work with partners who are capable about delivering the infrastructure and the equipment and so on, who then put that in and actually get us to where we want to be. So what you're talking about is, is finding that sweet spot between academia, industry and government. Correct. I think that's, that's the crucial part of this. So the academics can, can design the individual components. They, they know how to nuance the technologies. The industry can at least allow us to then identify the practicalities of that and implement it. And the government can help with regards to the policy and the instruments which enable the industries and for that investment to happen. And what about talent? Where's that going to come from? Well, the talent has to come from across the world. And what we're obviously seeing is increasing talent coming even across from China. Uh, quite a lot of that, that, the individuals within my own group, uh, would, would come from China and institutions from across China. And is that because Belfast has become this centre of innovation with sustainability and green energy at its core? Well, there's a, there's a communication of that. We, we do have specialities in Northern Ireland and we have long-standing partnerships with institutions in China. And then because of those long-standing relationships, we've been able to create 
connections. We understand the, the technologies that we want to try and implement and we've built up capabilities together and now that is just coming to the next level of where we're seeing increasing movement between both of our countries. You're really hydrogen positive but um, realistically where does hydrogen currently sit in the wide range of clean energy sources? Well, realistically, hydrogen is a material that is produced at a massive scale. It is, however, used at almost point of generation, for example, in the oil and gas sector and production of fertilizer. What it hasn't really done is penetrate very significantly into the energy market at the minute. But with the investments that we're now currently making, that it will certainly grow in the future. And that's what we're expecting to see. So where are the real opportunities for growth? I think the opportunities for growth would be particularly in heavy industries which find it very difficult to decarbonise by any other means such as electrification. Heavy transport could be another area. But other things where I think hydrogen could really play a part would be in its use as um, to go along with things like agriculture or in other materials where we're in fact storing that hydrogen for longer periods of time. So you're talking about powering industry, you're talking about fuelling transport. What about heating homes? What's this going to mean for consumers like you and me? I think in the short term and the medium term, we will certainly see hydrogen being introduced into things like the gas grid and therefore being used as to displace natural gas within that gas grid. The UK government, for example, has committed to putting around 20% in or even pure hydrogen in certain regions of the UK. I think that can happen and that can happen now. For example, it could happen easily within Northern Ireland, given the infrastructure that we currently have. But in the future, I would expect that, that we will see additional changes. We might have heat pumps running off hydrogen technology, which would not only provide heat, but also provide electricity at the same time. And that would give us an even greater flexibility over the use of that as a resource. So there's almost a domino effect here, isn't there? One thing leads to the next. Quite correct. And there are, there, are, there are people who will advocate very strongly for heat pump technology, and that's fine, but hydrogen can actually enable heat pump technology. I think the systems that we're now starting to develop will try to find that sweet spot between everything from power and electricity and heat in order to be able to provide you know, real benefits to the public. And that's the thing, isn't it? Sustainable energy is, is a global challenge that's going to require a global solution. How close are we to, to that solution? And can we expect to see more international collaborations like we're seeing between Northern Ireland and China? I think we will definitely see international collaborations grow in order to be able to deploy technologies around the world. I think technologies really do exist at the minute. We, we see a lot of onshore wind. We see increasingly offshore wind. And the UK and China have recently committed to increasing offshore capabilities in terms of renewable energy production. The more energy though we have, the more we're going to need to store that energy and this is where hydrogen will play a significant role. David Rooney, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Agenda podcast. Do join me next week when I'll be back in London to consider whether the world is sleepwalking into another global financial crisis following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find more Agenda content on CGTN Europe's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube channels. Until next time, goodbye.
the most interesting questions. Are there other living beings beyond Earth? Will man or machine be in charge? Great question. Always have more than one answer. Well, hold on, uh, let me just draw up a list. And always come from more than one person. That's where the credibility lies. The concept of having a machinery which is alive and evolving didn't wait for us. The end of inequality of incomes and wealth around the world, can you imagine how difficult that is at the moment to achieve? Every episode, Stephen Cole, Murray Beveridge, and some of the brightest minds out there shed light on the answers to some of the most intriguing questions. There are two ways of looking at this. Machines can't really discriminate between civilian and military targets. The Answers Project. Maybe we need to just look at this in a bit more detail. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. The Answers Project, a new podcast from CGTN Europe.